Hello and welcome. My name is Dr. Bernard Skibel, clinical immunologist, medical geneticist, and chief medical officer at Genexus. Today, I have the privilege to chat with Dr. Jeremy Wilkie, a friend that shares a passion for bringing precision medicine and precision prescribing closer to patients. Dr. Jamie Wilking is the founder and CEO of Arts Health. She created her own practice as a consultant pharmacist focused on pharmacogenomics. Now, she empowers other pharmacists to do the same. She teaches pharmacists in her online and active network called PGX Consultant Confidence Academy to confidently champion PGX and create their own consulting practices that bring the flexibility, freedom, and satisfaction that they are seeking for, from their careers. To date, she has taught over 200 pharmacists how to change their careers. Dr. Wilkie is a member of CIPIC as well as a nonprofit as the nonprofit organization UTMR and ASCP. I'm not certain if this introduction will make fair justice to your background, uh, Jamie, but I, I have to say that it's a pleasure having you here. And I would love to hear your story. I, I would love to hear about Jamie's journey and why PGX and why the Academy. So welcome, Jamie. Hi, thank you, Dr. Esquivel. It's always so delightful to talk with you, especially about a, a subject like this that I have great passion about. And so for me, pharmacogenomics really solved a lot of problems in mine and my family's lives. It solved professional as well as personal problems. And for me, pharmacogenomics has been pretty amazing because I saw not only a cousin of mine, but one of my best friends in the world, both go through life-threatening mental health crises whose medications were not appropriately addressed. So as a human being and as a pharmacist who wanted to help people she loved, it felt really frustrating to see them going through a lot of guessing with their prescribing and trial and error. And it felt like throwing darts at the board to see what worked while they were suffering as well as their families. And additionally, my history in pharmacy hasn't been in pharmacogenomics, but was actually just a retail pharmacist for more than a decade and as a pharmacist with a doctor of pharmacy, I felt like I could do so much to help patients. However, in the current traditional roles that many pharmacists are kept in, it really limits the impact we can have on our patients' lives and really just keeps us in a dispensing model. And so for me, pharmacogenomics not only helps patients in a really amazing, meaningful way, but to me is the future of pharmacy and getting pharmacists out of product-based roles into knowledge-based roles that are really part of the whole healthcare team and impacting patients for good instead of just medicating them. I love it. And your story resonated with me as well. There is always, you know, some trigger coming from different relatives or friends or even patients that have somehow brought us the necessity of finding something else that can make our prescribing more suitable to the specific needs at that specific time of that patient. And I'm so glad to, to have you now on board as a full advocate and global expert about uh, pharmacogenomics. One thing that I would like to discuss with you during this uh, podcast is the complexity behind prescribing and most importantly, all those data sets that we need to take into account when prescribing. As you will know, there are so many things that we need, we need to consider before you know, deciding which medication is the most suitable for our patient right now. We need to think about you know, the previous conditions of this patient, the current conditions of the patient, the previous diagno diagnosis of this patient, if there is any sort of, you know, past history around drug-drug interactions, how is the patient nowadays, specifically how is it, for instance, the liver function, the kidney function, and now also we need to take into account the genetic piece of this, the genetic makeup of the patient, how the pharmacogenomic profile of this patient will help to be more tailored in our treatments. So I always use this sentence that, you know, PGX 
is just another piece of the puzzle. What are your thoughts around that? Oh, it absolutely is. And I wholeheartedly agree to say that that pharmacogenomics and the single lab test will fix everything wrong with prescribing is crazy. PGX is really another piece of the puzzle and an important piece that is missing in most patient interactions, that it's just another layer of personalized medicine and making sure we're getting our treatment correct for the patient's unique genetic background, because people are so different and they respond wildly differently to medication. And it's just something you can't tell by looking at them or taking any other measure from them. And so PGX isn't a silo that some healthcare providers should consider. It should be a baseline standard of care, just like you're saying, just like liver function, renal function, age, all of this PGX should just be a natural part of what we consider before we prescribe anything for patients. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, you know, it's fantastic uh, the way you describe it. And it also highlights relevance and the upcoming relevance and uh, the instrumental role that pharmacists will play in terms of deploy of the deployment or implementing precision prescribing into point into the point of care. I'm going to be a hundred percent honest here. I think you pharmacists are better suited in order to bring a pharmacogenomics closer due to the nature of the career, due to the nature of your background, your educational background and training. That's one of the key factors that I've found that we need to keep, you know, fostering in order to bring PGX into point of care. But how, I would love to, I would love to hear your thoughts. How can PGX can be effectively delivered to point of care? I'm talking about all those different uh, data sets, that uh, clinical data points that matters when prescribing. How can we make them actionable? How can we flip from this, you know, previous static PDF pharmacogenetics related reports into a more dynamic solutions that allow us to bring all those data sets together in a you know seamless way. And that's the million dollar question, Dr. Esquivel. That's what everyone's wondering. And I think that's why it's been waiting on the sidelines for its greatness for so long that there's many barriers. And in an ideal world, we would have every single thing covered and make it a seamless workflow. But for me, I think it can be most effectively delivered if we actually just start doing it, start from a grassroots level, start as a profession advocating for the use of it instead of waiting only for third-party payers to get on board or institutions in our town to get on board. We need, I believe, as a profession and in healthcare to start demanding it and expecting it for our patients, even if we have to start imperfectly, it's better to start. And especially now living in 2022, there's never been a better time to start. You're talking about the static versus the active reports. For a long time, all the reports were just this PDF that I've seen go into hundreds of pages that's overwhelming for even the most ambitious healthcare provider. And now you don't have to face that overwhelm of just too much information and worried about making the wrong choice. Now it's easily digestible. There are software such as Treat GX and Review GX that integrates it into the whole health. So you as a provider or as a clinical pharmacist can look at the snapshot of a patient and make that quick decision quickly and efficiently with support. And obviously as time goes, we'll have more and more support and better systems and processes, but it's better just to start and start helping our patients rather than waiting for everything to be perfect and for someone else to take care of it for us. Absolutely. Thank you. I love it. And you're totally right. And 
it's like needs to be embedded as part of into our normal clinical workflows. So it's like, for example, mm-hmm. when we order a an MRI because you 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 need to take a look at something, even though you are you may be trained to understand the MRI and take a look into into the images, it's always good to rely on the expert in this case, the radiology that will give you his her two cents and will help you guide your diagnosis protocol. I think in the same lines and using that example as a context, it's quite similar when when we are trying to implement patient prescribing. The experts here are the pharmacists. And mm-hmm. the only way we can effectively implement a precision prescribing and pharmacogenomics into our clinical workflows is by working together. It's by finding ways to continue, continue improving the interaction, relation, communication between physicians, pharmacists. I want to add also genetic counselors into the mix so that we can bring the best possible genomic-based solution to our patients. And I really love what you what you discuss. And I think you know, that nowadays we are living a unique momentum. You know, there's, it's a thriving ecosystem for pharmacogenomics, you know, with all the, you know, those legislations, changes that may, may, may come in the near future. Now it's time to talk about the proper implementation. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the key next item to discuss. And I have a couple of questions for you around this. One of the cornerstones of a proper implementation and you've talked about this on, on your previous uh, webinars and podcasts that I've set up. I have to disclose I've followed you since a while, to be honest. <laughs> we, talk, we talk a lot about education and training. What is the value and what do you think we need to focus in terms of education and training when implementing pharmacogenetics into point of care? So the biggest thing that I'm seeing is there's a lot of interest in pharmacogenomics and pharmacists and other healthcare providers are very excited to get all of the education they can about it. They're getting multiple certifications and master's degrees and feeling really up to speed with the science of pharmacogenomics. But where I feel like there's a huge void and what's lacking is actually doing it and taking those brave, bold steps to actually start rolling out a program or leading it as an entrepreneur within your institution and to be the one that actually starts making the change. I think historically as a profession, pharmacists have been really good at at taking orders and being the go-between to keep prescribers and patients happy. And for me, what I've seen is the biggest roadblock to implementation, at least from pharmacist-led, is just having the skills and the knowledge to do something new and something innovative that hasn't done before and really put yourself out there and create something that didn't exist before. And so that needs a whole nother skill set of training that many in healthcare don't have about like sales and marketing and networking and, and being able to convey an idea and showing the, the value of it and the cost savings and the value for patients. That's a whole nother training that I think is more valuable in real world rather than just getting our brain full of pharmacogenomics and waiting for a program to enlist us to roll it out. I think where the real education and training that's magical and that actually rolls it out is when you learn those new skill sets to, to do something new and innovative that hasn't been done before. I love it. And I think, you know, that reflects what, you know, the way we were trained, because at the end of the day, you, you had all the knowledge and you have, you know, as you were uh, referencing here, you know, you can have the master degree and all the basics from the technic- technicalities around the topic, for instance. Uh-huh. But when you learn how to practice medicine, when you when you learn how to treat patients, actually when you're hands-on, when you are on, the, on your residency and when you are actually on front of patients. So into, I think it's, and it's, it's quite similar as you as what you described, and I loved it. You know, I have always believed that overthinking is self-sabotage and slow, <laughs> slow motion. So yes. you're totally right. Yeah, and you're totally right. It's, it's about, you know, let's take that bold step, 
but guided. And I think that's what you're bringing to the table. And that's one of the many things that I like about your, your proposition is that it's not only about, you know, taking that bold step. It requires, yes, courage to make it, but it's way easier when you're guided with someone that has already done this. So that's, that's a great comment. The second thing that I would like to discuss in terms of the proper implementation of pharmacogenomics into point of care now with this thriving ecosystem, the role of the pharmacist. I would like to briefly, and, and I would like to fully focus here on the role of the pharmacist here. Specifically, two main things. Number one, the role of the pharmacist in the prescribing and prescribing. I'm going to highlight that I started uh, with the prescribing instead of prescribing, and I, I'm assuming you're, you you understand why I'm, I, I want to mm-hmm. focus on this topic like that. And the second one, we can actually discuss them in tandem here, is the role of the pharmacist on, on those different settings, right? Community setting, large healthcare systems, we know that those ecosystems are different and we need to find a way to adapt. And it cannot be the same standardized template when implementing. We need to customize or, or personalize depending on, on, on the pharmacist setting. What are your thoughts? Oh, exactly. Oh, the role of the pharmacist is so exciting because our profession is changing and we're at a hinge point in history and redefining ourselves because for what, more than a hundred years, we've had really a very similar role where it's product-based and a dispensing model where our patient interactions are really very limited. And now that product-based dispensing is being automated and eliminated by mail order. Thank goodness. I'm relieved to get pharmacists out of sticking with products and really unleash their knowledge because really as in any profession, the future is in knowledge-based roles. Those can't be replicated, automated, and outsourced. That's where true value comes and true patient care comes. And that's what pharmacists learned that they were going to do in pharmacy school is have these amazing patient interactions and, and work with patients individually and really help them understand their medications. So pharmacists of all healthcare professionals, I think, have the healthiest respect of medication and the power of medication and the harm that can come from unnecessary medication. And so the role of deprescribing is actually some of the most exciting to get patients off of medication because so often we see different providers that a patient's seeing all putting extra medications on this patient, but they don't have a primary care pharmacist on their corner saying, how long are you going to be on this? What's our timeline to taper you off of this? Oh, this is duplicate therapy. Let's address this to really have them in their corner to take over all medication management, which I think complements the rest of the healthcare team. So the rest of the healthcare team can do what they're good at, which is diagnosing and taking care of patients and to just give that headache and burden of all medication management, all deprescribing, adjusting medications, optimizing them for cost, all of that a pharmacist is happy to do and anxious to do. And that's the future role that is really a fun place to be. I think you just mentioned critical aspect here. Interesting points like, for instance, optimizing the treatment, right? Medication optimizing protocols. You mentioned as well, uh, cost optimization, which I think it's instrumental for not only uh, the practice and the patient, but also the healthcare system overall and the, the cost burden that we're currently living with the way we are practicing medicine. Mm-hmm. So, and I think we can leverage precision prescribing as a pivot for the pharmacist to be empowered and, and be in the middle and help navigating this segment of the patient's journey in terms of healthcare, of receiving healthcare services. It's pretty clear what you just mentioned about deprescribing, and we all know it's a, it's a major problem, globally speaking, you know, the polypharmacy and the, and the associated risk with that. 
what about, and I think this is a pretty interesting topic that I would love to hear your thoughts. What about prescribing? What about, you know, this new trend or recent trend that we are uh, observing, let's say, from Colorado State, where now the game is changing for pharmacists and it's been and start to allow to some extent to start prescribing. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, I'm so excited about that, Dr. Esquivel. I'm really excited to see a number of innovative states really expanding the role of the pharmacist, ultimately with the with patient care being at the heart of it, because having that pharmacist-patient relationship really helps patients and their families get the care they need more quickly and efficiently. And so while I'm excited about the expansion of the profession, ultimately, what's greatest for me is the win for patient into getting healthcare as quickly, as efficiently as possible and overcoming the hurdles of time and space and location that have historically been present when you had to make an appointment, go to a physical office, wait, pay the copay. Now we're breaking down a lot of those barriers and it's exciting to see healthcare transform and adapt quickly to the new age and to the new needs of today. I love it. This conversation has been amazing and uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying all the topics and clear examples that you brought into this fascinating uh, conversation. And indeed, I think we have covered pretty interesting aspects, such as, you know, the fact that pharmacogenetics by itself is not good enough, that we need to start talking about prescription prescribing. That includes several data points that matters when prescribing, including pharmacogenomics and vetted into it. I think that's, that's something that we should continue talking and we should continue endorsing as professional. You have clearly mentioned and shared with us your thoughts about education and training, that indeed it's instrumental having the, the right resources from the science and basics, but it's also critical to understand how to use them and implement them on different scenarios so that you can, you can actually, as a pharmacist, create your own practice here and make it something that will benefit your patients and also benefit your lifestyle and benefit, you know your life balance, which I think is something that you have been championing uh, since a while. You, you talk about professional collaboration and the importance of the pharmacist being this pivot that will help us communicate and coordinate the different touch points uh, related to prescribing. What are your thoughts? What would you like to be, you know, like the takeaways or, or, the, or the message that you would like to share to those pharmacists that are um, listening to you and are thinking, hmm, that's interesting. You're, you're totally right. Should I start, you know, searching for something like this? Uh, what would be, you know, the message that you would like to, to share with them? Oh, I'm glad you asked. So I have two takeaways that I want every pharmacist listening to understand today. And one is that it, they can completely do this. If they are a pharmacist, they are far and away qualified to do this and not to feel like you have to get X amount of additional education or be a certain type of pharmacist or live in a certain type of place to do this. If you are a pharmacist, you're a medication expert and whether you know it or not, most of you have a doctorate degree in pharmacogenomics, basically pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics. This is what we know. This is our bread and butter. And so to own this space and to feel confident, if this is exciting to you, and if you're looking for a change in your career, to stop looking on job sites to find that fulfillment from a career, but really be the change you want in your community. Because in this space, there's nothing but opportunity and it's a really bright place for a pharmacist to be in a great time to innovate and create the future that they want. And secondly, Dr. Esquivel, I would kind of implore my pharmacy profession to own pharmacogenomics and to take up the banner and to really make it a critical part of what we do, because I'm honestly afraid if we don't over the next few years really own this space and champion it and build it out beautifully, 
that it will be taken away from us and that other professions will kind of encroach upon it. And we're going to miss a really great opportunity to innovate and advance the practice of pharmacy. So selfishly, you can create an amazing role for yourself and in your community to be a powerhouse of precision medicine. And for our, our profession, I think we really have to embrace this because it's been around for what, 15, 20 years. Pharmacogenomics is not new and yet pharmacists still are far too on the sidelines. So I think this is our window of opportunity. It's our time to own this space. And it's going to be way easier now that we have you fully on board willing to uh, guide the rest of the pharmacists on how to uh, <laughs> bring prescription prescribing closer to their practices. And you're right. Yes. I mean, clinical utility, clinical validity, um, clinical actionability, I think there's enough evidence published out there. And that's why we are witnessing this um, fascinating momentum, not only in the US, also globally speaking. There's, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of things going around PGX to the UK, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, so I think this is the right time. This, we are, this is the right timing to continue talking about this and to start bringing this closer to our practice. This has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your willingness to share your thoughts, experience, and knowledge with us, Jamie. Before letting you go, I would love to hear what's next for you. Please share with us what's new uh, and what's what's next uh, for Jamie. Oh, thank you, Dr. Esquivel. So my goal is to keep growing the army of pharmacists that we have creating their own consulting practice and championing PGX with zero prior experience. At this point, we have 200 actively engaged in our academy, learning, getting confidence. My goal is to 10x that, to take it to multiple thousands of pharmacists. And I also want to take this group and use them as a force for good and to create really big bargaining power and momentum within our profession as a group too. So to teach them individually how to create a movement from a grassroots level in their community, but also to harness that power and to make big changes and momentum in our profession and to advance pharmacogenomics in large numbers. Fantastic. Thank you all for joining. And thank you, uh, Dr. Jamie Wilkie, for um, joining us and sharing your thoughts, your experience, and knowledge about how we can bring patient prescribing closer to our uh, practice. For more information about um, this podcast and download the podcast, please go to www.genexis.com.